You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Look the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. And we are going to be back today with Mr. Matthew Fox. Obviously, the uh, the regular season is over with, so we're not going to be previewing or recapping any games for the most part. Uh, for today's podcast, me and Matt are going to go over kind of what happened in Week 17, changing playoff formats, and then obviously 
really kind of jumping in and talking about what's going on here the past uh, 24 to 48 hours with everything on Black Monday and all of the head coach firings uh, and just everything in general with the NFL. Kind of a news dump day as we get ready for the NFL playoffs. So let's jump Matt on here and get this going. As I just mentioned, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox with us again today. Matt, how you doing today? You excited to be bringing in not just a new year, but a new decade? Or the start of a new yeah. decade? You know, it's uh, it's kind of weird to think it's going to be 2020 uh, already. You know, the year of Barbara Walters. But <laughs> Very nice. I like that. Yeah. It was depressing last night to have no football. Uh, in the, Instead of football, my wife uh, wanted to try flirty dancing. Um, so I really miss the NFL a lot. Yeah, that does sound very depressing. I'm not going to lie. I was going to say, I mean, at least we've got some uh, some decent bowl games coming up the next couple of days. But then, yeah, I mean, once you get past, I mean, next Monday, I don't think there's any football because the national championship's the Monday after that. So, yeah, it's good. I can't believe they're waiting until January 13th to do the national title game. We will have played three weekends worth of NFL games yeah, between the college football semi and the national championship. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was really surprised by that, too. I really thought it was going to be this Monday. Uh, you would expect like a 10-day a window, which is what yeah. it would have been pretty much. And I, I really thought that's what it was going to be, too. Like, I was looking at my phone. I was like, all right, you know, no big deal. You know, obviously, I was not very happy if you followed me on Twitter about what happened Saturday. But I was like, all right, well, no big deal. You know, we got the the wild card weekend in the NFL leads right into what should be a very good national championship game, I think. Then I was like, wait a minute, the 13th? It's like a whole yeah. other week of what? So it's like, oh my, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't understand it. I know I was watching, or I was looking at some of the interviews they were doing and talking about, well, they, they enjoyed it or they like it in the fact that they allows their teams to rest up. Like, especially Clemson was talking about how it was a dogfight between them and Ohio State. Like, it gives their players plenty of time to rest up and the coaches time to prepare. But yeah, that just seems like a ridiculous amount of time uh, to wait, especially because you don't even have any bowl games next week either. Like, this is the last week of bowl games and it's like radio silence for an entire week and then you get the yeah. national championship game. So yeah, it, it's weird for me as well i mean I, I i like i said we, i know i think we talked about last time we were on here that maybe that'll change if they increase it to eight teams i can't see they'd let allow this much time now again uh in between uh bowl games and the championship game but uh yeah it's crazy to think that we're going that long w- without a championship game wouldn't you think though if they increase it to eight that what'll really happen is the first set of games will happen earlier in december Maybe the only thing I could the only re- well I don't know because I'm trying to remember how the schedule works. I don't think so because I would imagine they're still going to allow most college teams to have those two bye weeks. And, and I mean that is kind of a big deal, especially because you know they want they emphasize the student athlete part. Uh, I, I do think that they would still allow most colleges to get because most colleges get two bye weeks within their season, and if you take you'd have to take one of those away to move up the, uh, the 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 championship weeks, assuming they still keep them like the Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, keep the championship games and then move in because I still think you'd probably give them a week before you go in because most championship games are on that Saturday. Maybe you go right into the playoffs. That next weekend, I guess they could do that. Uh, well, but I, I see, think they want to keep some what, of their bowls. What I think you'd run into, what the problem is, is the next two weekends, NFL has playoff games on Saturday afternoon and night. 
Yeah. So they wouldn't set the college football playoffs against the NFL playoffs. So then you would be left with, are we sticking? You can't put probably two games on a Monday when people are working. You know, you have to remember there's a month basically between the those championship games, which all take place like yeah. Thanksgiving weekend and where they were on the Saturday before New Year's. So I could see them slipping a round in toward the middle of December because once you get to the to January, it's going to be hard for them to have like a Saturday platform unless they want to go really late into the month. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is maybe they try and do something with, um, oh, what was I going to say? Maybe they take away, like, a, like tomorrow is a big day. Like, they always do the Rose Bowl, and uh, I know the Orange Bowl was last night. There's another one on tomorrow. I can't remember what it is. Uh, I think it's the Sugar Bowl, right? Yeah. They, all, they always do those separate. Maybe they move those into like more of a prime time thing like Friday or something like that and reserve this day for like the last two games, uh, the last two like semifinal games that we saw Saturday and then play the championship game. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to figure out a way to squeeze them in somewhere. My thing is yeah. I just don't know what they would do because I don't think they want to get rid of any bowl games because those bring in so much money. For not just the yeah. colleges, but for the NCAA. And, and I would imagine, I mean, there has been a lot of talk that the NCAA will go away. I feel like there's way too much to get into before that happens. So I, I don't know. They would, I would imagine, they'll figure it out. There's too much money involved in that for them not to be able to figure it out. It's kind of why we got to the playoff part to begin with. I remember before this, when it was just the two teams going, it was the, the top two teams played for a national championship, and that was it. And everybody said, nah, they can't figure it out. There's no way they'll make it. There's no way they can do four teams. And that really is how much money was in it. And guess what? Now we've had a four-team playoff here for the past five years. I think this is the sixth year now. So yeah, the, if there's if they can figure out a way, they will figure out a way to make it happen. Speaking of the college football playoffs, as you mentioned, we do have the NFL playoffs kicking off this weekend. We've got wild card weekend, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. As I mentioned there in the beginning, before me and you jump in and talk about uh, really just the five head coaching positions, and at this point, one of them has already been filled, uh, and kind of what's going on with them. There has been a lot of drama that has come with some of those as well. Uh, we're going to jump in really quick and kind of recap some of the main parts about Week 17 and our quick thoughts. Uh, before we jump into Thursday's podcast, me, you, and Tony will be back on. Hopefully, uh, we've already we've talked about how we're going to do a little playoff thing as well, and we'll kind of preview the four playoff games coming this weekend. First and ten at the Lions twenty-nine, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's in a 15, he's in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb, a love a hub. 92 yards. Three. 
left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh my God! Oh my God! So on the AFC side here, the biggest game would probably have been, not even probably, it was between the Dolphins and the Patriots. The Dolphins pulling off a huge upset here, 27-24. Most of it coming on uh, Tom Brady throws a pick six, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick driving down the field in like a two-minute drill uh, to give the Dolphins the lead, leaving, I think it was like 20 seconds left on the clock for the Patriots. So almost a a no-win situation for them, which ends up knocking the Patriots off and out of a bye week. This is the first time I believe it was since 2009. If I remember correctly, they are not playing, or they do not have a bye. They are actually playing now on Wild Card Weekend and have a very tough matchup where they go against the Tennessee Titans, who also won their matchup against the Texans. Not really surprising there. Houston kind of came out, I want to say it was like Saturday or Friday, and said they were pretty much sitting all of their starters. I mean, Watson sat, Hopkins sat, a couple of their defenders sat. So they, you kind of thought Nan going into that Titans had the upper hand. All they had to do was win uh, and get in. Uh, me and you had both talked about uh, the scenarios uh, the Raiders needed. Some of those, actually, I think everything came through outside of the Texans Winning had the Texans beaten the Titans, the Raiders would had the Raiders would have had to win complete the two point conversion. They failed uh, against Denver, and they actually would have gotten into the playoffs. No, the Colts lost. Oh, I forgot that the Colts lost. You're right. So they wouldn't have made it in had they even won that uh, two point conversion. So uh, it was it ended up coming down between them and the Steelers. Steelers ended up losing losing to RG three and the Ravens twenty eight to ten. So the final seedings. For uh, the AFC come down, and it is, uh, my goodness, I don't know why I was going to say Cleveland, uh, because all the, the drama going on <laughs> in Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore gets the number one seed. Uh, the Chiefs are the number two seed. The three seed, as I just mentioned, are now the Patriots. Four seed, the Texans. Five seed, Bills. Six seed, Titans. So that leads to a, a Saturday AFC matchups here between the Bills and the Texans and the Titans and the Patriots. How big of a deal is it to you that we are now seeing the Patriots playing here this weekend? Because a lot of people are making a big deal uh, about them having to play against the Titans and playing on Wild Card Weekend. Well, I mean, we've seen the Patriots haven't looked like the Patriots on offense at all this season, but they've been kind of riding a really hot defense. And if you're the two seed, you just have to win one home game and you're back in the AFC Championship game, a place where they seemingly have lived the last decade. Yeah. You get knocked down to the three seed, you have to play wildcard weekend, no bye. Then you have to travel and win a game to make the AFC Championship game, and you have to play... Uh, you know, probably have to go to Kansas City, yeah. definitely, if they won. So I think that, you know, if you're a Patriots fan, which probably accounts for people living in Boston and no one else in the entire country. Uh, front runners, front runner fans yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a real bummer. I think what I'd be more concerned about is we've seen Tom Brady struggle with Miami in the past, but usually in Miami. Mm-hmm. Games in Miami, you know, the Patriots have lost a few head scratchers in Miami late season. 
including last year where I think they had that like magic hook and ladder play with Ryan Tannehill yeah, Kenny, uh, that, you know, that with, beat him. Yeah, where Gronk but, tried to tackle Drake, uh, I think on like the third or yeah. four yard line, yeah. This is December in New England, uh, so that's alarming. And on that last drive, you're talking about the the Dolphins had were down 24-20. They had to go down to get a score to win because the Patriots' had, offense had actually gotten their S together a little bit and gone down the field and scored a touchdown to take a lead with a couple minutes left. Not only did Miami march down against New England's defense, which had been their best feature all season, they did it with Fitzpatrick throwing to Parker against Gilmore time after time. If I'm New England, not only am I alarmed that I lost this game to the Dolphins at home that cost me a big seating where I played my starters the whole way, at the end of the game, my best asset all season defense, specifically pass defense, specifically Stefan Gilmore, got crushed. Yeah. That would be super alarming. Yeah, I mean, and not even that. If you you go back and look at two, they've given up. I think what this is their third game now. They've lost at home this year. Like two. It, they lost two at home. Two. Okay, I thought they yeah. lost to Baltimore at home too. Uh, so I mean, you're looking at this is something that you don't really see. They do not lose at Gillette, and what is going to be interesting to me is is the matchup between the Titans, and we'll definitely dive more into it on Thursday, but I actually think there's a really good shot. I think this is a 50-50 game, if I'm being honest. Like, yep. when I saw this kind of matchup, I was like, okay, you know, you were just talking about, well, their pass defense and everything, Stephon Gilmore. Okay, so we know that that's not the Titans' forte, but Derrick Henry is a hard guy to stop, and Mike Vrabel has these guys playing, and I would not be surprised if they do just enough to come in there and beat New England because the one thing we've also seen is Ryan Tannehill has had some success here against uh, the Patriots when he was with the Dolphins, and I think you can easily say this is probably the best team he has been on in his career yeah. as well. So I think it makes for a really interesting matchup uh, for sure with them. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely break well, it down. the Titans more. are probably a nightmare matchup because even if you were going to take Stephon Gilmore and identify their best receiver and take him away, Tennessee isn't a team all season long that has had, you know, it's not like the Saints where, you know, Michael Thomas is the guy. They're yeah. going to try to get him the ball. If if you can take Michael Thomas away, you have a good chance to win. Tennessee is not that team. Tennessee, we've talked about all season. A.J. Brown has really stepped up down the stretch, but they are not a, I have a focal point receiver. If you take him away, I'm stymied. They might have been when Mariota was in, but they aren't now. And so that's going to be even more daunting for Belichick and the Patriots defense. You know, where do you put your focus? I mean, I'd imagine you've got to be trying to take away A.J. Brown on the outside and then doing everything you can to try and take away Derrick Henry. But, I mean, this is – I mean, I know you've been on the same train as I have earlier in the season that Derrick Henry was not going to be this good. It seems like it's almost kind of impossible to stop Derrick Henry at this point. So, I mean, it's – I, like I said, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the Bills-Texans is actually going to be a really good game as well. I could see a, I can, I can see the Bills pulling off the win there too. But like I said, I want don't, we don't want to dive too deep into that because that's definitely what we're going to discuss on Thursday. On the NFC side, not as much um, game-changing here. The biggest one obviously came down to that huge game between the 49ers and the Seahawks Sunday night uh, where Jacob Hollister got stopped on the goal line. Great tackle. 
uh, by the 49ers yeah. defense. Gang tackled to stop Hollister before he could get up, got stood up, and uh, actually did not get the ball across the line. Kind of uh, ironic that almost a play just like that. I think it was either the week before or two weeks before with Julio Jones where he barely – leaned back and the ball was able to cross the line that in my opinion ended up costing him or made it to the point where this game meant so much because the Seattle Seahawks ended up uh, winning their game but they lost this one they lose 26-21 so they drop to the five seed 49ers end up with the one seed overall in the conference get a bye week which is huge for them which also then because the Packers ended up winning a close one in Detroit moves them to the two seed and drops the New Orleans Saints to the three seed at eleven and th- or sorry thirteen and three, which is insane to me. Then you have the uh, the Eagles. We, we we all knew about the NFC stuff. They ended up pulling out a win, which is like I said, I can't wait to talk some about these games because what the Eagles did too. Actually, I'll, we'll, we'll spend a minute talking about them. Why not? What they were able to do Sunday, because I mean, you knew. I would say I, I was going back and forth between that game and a couple other games. Obviously, with all those games on in that afternoon window, and Dallas jumped up on Washington. Like it, I think it was early second quarter, all of a sudden they were just blowing Washington out. I think the final score ended yeah. up being like forty-four to something. I don't remember what it was exactly. Forty-seven to sixteen. Okay, forty-seven sixteen. So yeah, they were up. They got up quick, and at that point in time, Philly I think was still tied like ten ten. So and you. You had to know, I think, if you were in Philly, what was going on in Dallas. And then for them to get more in, Miles Sanders gets hurt. I can't remember who else got hurt. Ertz didn't even play. For them to be able to hang on and then come back and win that game. Again, a team they should have beat in the Giants, but with all of the injuries they've had to win that and then end up winning the NFC East, I think speaks a lot to that team. They obviously don't have an easy matchup. They, they are the four seed. They play the five seed in the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and the Vikings come in as the six seed, and they get the Saints this weekend. So... Those, I think, are two really good matches. Well, it's like, I, I actually think all these games are going to be really good games. I don't see a blowout in all of them. I, I would say if I had to pick one, uh, the one to me maybe is going to be Seattle-Philly, just because of Philly is so beat up everywhere now. Offensive line, defense, running back, wide receivers, that maybe Seattle's just able to jump up on them, uh, and they're not able to do anything. But, I mean, you've got a rematch of the miracle in Minneapolis there with the Vikings and Saints, which should be a good one as well. What, what are your thoughts on the NFC playoffs, and, and how, how big a deal is it to you uh, that the San Francisco Niners were able to secure that number one seed? I think it's pretty huge, not just for them, but um, for the NFC, because, you know, New Orleans, they had some injuries and some things in the middle of the season, but I actually thought they ended the season as possibly the strongest team, and to have them get shoved down to that wild card weekend, uh, and, you know, if you were looking for the New Orleans always gets screwed by the refs. The no call on a fairly obvious pass interference from San Francisco and Seattle on third down. Kind of a head scratcher that then pushes Seattle, you know, to that tough fourth down play. And so a missed call in a crucial game again ends up costing the Saints directly. Uh, you just you can't make it up. It feels like every big call <laughs> this year has some way hosed to the New Orleans Saints. Um, so, that, you know, that's going to be kind of interesting. And Minnesota has to be a little bit verklempt, uh, you know, because they went from possibly traveling to play Seattle, which I would see as, a, as sort of a, a winnable game. Seattle's 
beat to hell too. Yeah. Um, that's what's going to be interesting about the you know they had to re-sign Marshawn Lynch, and I know there's a lot of it seems kind of exciting the thought that Beast Mode is back for them, but there's a reason Marshawn Lynch wasn't on a team this year, you know. And the nostalgia of seeing him come in, he's still capable of, you know, jumping over the goal line or battering for one or two yards, but he's not the rushing threat that they, you know, when they had Carson and Penny, it was almost, that's where you saw Russell Wilson starting to not have to be needed that much going down. Seattle has some offensive line woes and injuries. So that's going to be a fascinating dynamic um, with with them in Philadelphia, a couple of teams that are kind of beat up. The Seahawks had a really strange season. You would, you know, going into this year, it seemed like they were money at home, but struggled on the road. This year, they finished four and four at home, seven and one on the road, including a lot of big wins in the Eastern time zone. So it's just been kind of a, kind of tells you it was a weird year. It's going to be some really interesting wild card matchups, some really interesting matchups you know, for the second round too, because if the Saints win, they go to the Packers in the second round. Yeah, San Francisco could potentially see Seattle for a yeah. third time. You know, all those games have gone down to the wire. There's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, potential matchups, not just this weekend, but next weekend. I think it's going to be kind of a fun playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I said, if you just go to the the FC side too, like I said, we, we both think that the Titans could beat the Patriots if they do or don't. I mean, you have, uh, say the Patriots end up winning. I mean, them Chiefs could be a really good game, which means then you got Bills or Texans. I mean, out of those two, I'd probably say Bills because at least they kept it closer against Baltimore than them against Baltimore. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think all in all, I like all these teams. I mean, <clears throat> It's hard for me to say that I could say all of them could make the Super Bowl because, and maybe I'm just being a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word. Biased isn't the right word, but looking at Tennessee and thinking, now nah, there's just no way. But they've been a good team. I mean, I, I would say out of the NFC, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those make the Super Bowl. I just think yeah. the NFC is just so loaded. In the AFC, I th- it would be hard for me to think that the t- it, it's going to sound weird. The Titans, Patriots, or Texans. I actually like the Bills. I think they've got a really good team. I would put them third just based on what their defense can do. And we know that if Josh Allen can have his A game, they can probably beat anybody because that defense can keep them in where I can't, I'm not sure you can say that same thing uh, about those other three. But then again, I think the Titans and the Bills are almost the same team. So maybe you can say that. I don't know, but it's definitely a very interesting field altogether. I think the, the difference between the, Titans and the Bills seems to be that the Titans have been able to fare better on the road against good competition and Buffalo home field makes more of a difference. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and they, they for have- them and their seating is going to force them on the road. I was really hoping they would clip, you know, if they would have won that game in New England that was really close based on what happened, we would have seen a flip and they would have been the three seed. I think it would have been interesting to see, but they're, you know, I think they're going to have uh, a pretty tough road because, you know, Houston has some good passing assets. And if they if they won that game, then they'd go for sure pretty much. Or, well, I guess if Tennessee wins, they could end up in uh, Kansas City. Yeah. That would be interesting, too. I It's hard to say. I guess you're right. The Bills scare me a little bit because Josh Allen can be 
pretty good and dynamic, or he yeah, can or get into fall into a hole and give up a lot of turnovers. The Bills are not one of those teams that if they get behind a lot, I feel like they could rally. You know, they need to yeah. keep games close. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think for for me, if he, if that defense, we know the defense will more than likely be good. I mean, Sean McDermott's been phenomenal there. He always seems to have that defense up to par. That's all I'm saying. If if Josh Allen brings his A game, they could beat anybody because we, like I said, we saw him play the Ravens earlier this year, and I think it was like a 2017 game or something like that. Like they yeah. were actually able to hold the Ravens' offense in check. We know that defense can do it, and I would say, I mean. As much as it hurts me as a Browns fan to admit it, that Baltimore Ravens offense is more explosive than the Chiefs. So if they can do it to Baltimore, they can do it to Kansas City. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we'll have to wait till this weekend to see that. And we'll definitely do, like I said, more breakdowns on them and predictions when the three of us on Thursday as we talk about the uh, the the playoff thing, the, the playoff game that we're going to do as well. Uh, with us, so I'm I'm excited to get into it. This seems like a really good year of playoff teams. Like I said, I, for me, I think like every year you go in and there's like a couple teams in the AFC and NFC. You're like, yeah, I mean, unless they make some like great run, I don't see them doing anything. Like I said, I, I could see, I would not be surprised with any of the NFC teams if they come out and make it to the Super Bowl. As I just said a minute ago, I, I think they're loaded. Maybe Seattle or Philly because of their injuries. But then again. We've seen Philly and Seattle go on runs before, so I would not be surprised with any of them. Well, let's see here. I guess it's time to just like, really no easy transition into all of the drama that has been going on. Obviously, if we didn't make the playoffs, chances are uh, a lot of these teams are moving on, and it was a lot less than we thought. Uh, now, we had kind of come up with only seven, I think, altogether that we thought were going to uh, change uh, it ended up only being five. Uh, the the sixth one uh, that we were both kind of thought might happen just based on what the team had done was the Falcons. I think it was either the day after or it was on Monday. I can't remember when that we did the podcast. The Falcons announced that Dan Quinn is going to be back with the team. I wasn't. I think it was Saturday. It was right before their game. Yes, they, uh, they took away any doubt. Yeah, I mean, so, because I, I know I brought it up on there, and I thought, I'm pretty sure you agreed with me. Like, I wasn't as surprised just based on the fact that, um, as we talked about, the way that that team has kind of rallied behind him the past month, uh, they've really kind of played hard for him, where you've kind of seen other spots the teams have not played that well. So I wasn't as surprised that they decided to keep him, were you? No, and, you know, I thought they would probably win on Sunday against the Bucks, and they did. And so they only are 7-9, and nine, but they go, uh, what, 6-2 and two the second half of the season and actually end up second place in their division. I, I thought they were trending toward keeping him. Um, I would see you were more more confident than that Freddie would go than me. I was yeah. not bullish he would go. There's two that I thought would for sure go in Jacksonville and Dallas that Jacksonville, they're for sure keeping him in Dallas. Who knows? Yeah. So that's been more of a surprise to me, not so much who went as, you know, a couple of these. I, I thought Doug Marone was for sure gone. I, I, I'm really shocked that that's what the Jaguars are doing. I don't really understand. I guess they're saying that the every problem they had in their entire organization was Tom Coughlin, because that's the only way you could explain that. 
Yeah, which I don't agree with that. Before, before we jump into the Jacksonville thing, I just have to touch on uh, you brought up the way the Atlanta beating Tampa Bay. Just just perfect ending to Jameis Winston's season of him throwing the pick six I thought was beautiful. I don't, I don't know if Did you see his post-game yes. press conference? Did they asked him, and he's like, oh, I'm balling. I'm balling, I'm doing yeah. great. I know. Oh, yeah. I, I was laughing World of so denial. hard when I was watching it because I, I, I posted something on Twitter about it because, yeah, he was like, if you look at my stats, I'm balling. I just I, I got to stop turning the ball over. I know what I need to do. Once I stop turning the ball over, I'm, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best. I'm like – but, but but you've been turning the ball over for five years, bro. Like, why haven't you yeah, fixed it yet then? That's like saying you're going to have a 4.0 as long as you can avoid getting a D yeah. in math and science oh, that you get man. every year. You know, that's aspirational for you, but it's not happening. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I mean, all, in all honesty, did you see what uh, Bruce Arians said about him as well? I, I want to say it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, how did that final pick six <laughs> factor into his evaluation? It did not help. Yeah. Well, no, not even that. He said, uh, someone asked, I want to say it was yesterday. It may have been today. Someone asked him, uh, can you, uh, can you win with another quarterback? And he's like, I won with the quarterback I had. I can definitely win with another one. And I was just like, okay, that's not, uh, that's yeah. not really a ringing endorsement for James. Well, Winston I mean, you're there. talking about a guy, Carson Palmer had some, some early career interception issues. And when he went to work with, Arians managed to do pretty well. Drew Stanton, who yeah. we have not seen be really successful anywhere else, was good enough with Arians to go into the playoffs and, and to get I, – I think that was the season Palmer got injured. Yeah. And Stanton took him to the AFC title game – or the N- NFC. Uh, AFC, NFC title yeah. game. So, I mean, we've seen him do more with less – uh, James Winston, I, I, he lives in a world of his own yeah, making, I guess. Sure. I think you're still right. They'll probably transition tag him because who's going to want to pay the draft pick price to yeah. acquire that? Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing because, uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit here uh, in podcasts leading up to obviously us getting to pretty much the offseason part. I mean, I know technically we're in the playoffs, but there's a lot of quarterback questions that need to be answered. So I don't know if anybody would just because, I mean, it's if you really talk about it, it's not even just the interceptions. He leads the leagues in fumbles since he's come into the league as well. So it's just turnovers in general. It's not even interceptions. But, yeah, I just thought it was a, a great poetic end, I guess, to, to his possible – run here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then, yeah, as as you brought up the press conference, which was just the cherry on top, because I, I thought it was yeah. awesome. I was I was truly enjoying it when I saw it on Twitter. Uh, but we were talking about the Jaguars. I'm with you. I, I was kind of surprised. I know we had talked about it. I, I, was, I was fully on board with them keeping Caldwell, the GM, because I think he has drafted masterfully with some of the players that he has brought in there. He has done a really good job. But I was surprised that they kept Marone as well. Now, we did talk about on there. Uh, what was that? I can't remember. Three years ago now, four years ago, they were in. They were one play away from making the Super Bowl. I mean, one great Stephon Gilmore play away from from yeah. making the Super Bowl and possibly even winning that. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe they are. I don't know. I don't want to say they're using Tom Coughlin as a scapegoat, but it did seem like a no, lot. No, of I the, will. They definitely are. Okay. Well, well, my point on that was that it does definitely seem like from everything we've heard from players. 
and everything going on there that he was the issue everybody was having problems with. Like Jalen Ramsey said he didn't have any issues with Marone. It was the front office, which was Tom Coughlin. I don't know, you know, obviously, I think it's in, Ga- in Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, they're like star yeah. defensive end. Uh, you know, he wanted to get paid, and Coughlin wasn't paying him. That wasn't a Marone thing. They were even embracing each other on the field at the end of Week 17. So I don't know. Well, maybe- and I get th- I get that, you know, and and I'm not saying Tom Coughlin wasn't a problem, but if I was sitting back and looking, this team doesn't have, you know, they, they've been completely flat on both offense and defense for two years. And last year, maybe you were prone to say, hey, Blake Bortles really isn't the guy. He got as much as he's possibly going to get out of him, but we have to get another quarterback. They've gotten other quarterbacks. I just thought, this team at one point in time was four and five with Foles coming back with a great chance to make a move by winning a few division games and get right back in the playoff race. And they just got killed all the way along. And I don't know one raw, raw win at home in week 17 over a depleted Colts team does not tell me that they're playing hard for their for their coach. I just thought they needed a change, needed to do something. I mean, Marone was the coach before Coughlin came in. Coughlin elected to keep him to give yeah. him a chance. So, you know, I it's it just I don't get if you wanted to fresh start try to reboot this franchise if he's the guy. I, I do agree with you there. I like I said I, I thought they were going to fire him as well. I know uh Shad Khan had come out and said that he didn't feel like now was the time for change, that he felt like they were moving in the right direction. So maybe that's why he did keep them. He clearly disagrees with our opinions, which, I mean, don't— They finished last place in their division. How are they moving in the right direction? That I don't know. Lisa, man, I mean, he clearly disagrees with us. He's a billionaire, so I guess I can't argue with him, Uh, but— uh, uh, that's the only thing I can think of. That that it was, I believe, the statement that he attached to keeping Marone and Caldwell was that he felt like they they are heading in the right direction. Now's not a time to change the franchise. So that's clearly why. Now I don't know even what that means. Does that mean Marone only gets one more year? Because that doesn't make any sense to me either. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something uh-huh. where the only thing I can think of is something we've talked about before. Maybe he feels like Foles going down in that first game really did affect their season. And so maybe it's a whole thing of, okay, now we Foles should hopefully be back. He'll be healthy. We've got a full offseason again. Let's go into 20, 2020 and expect him to be the, what we thought they were going to be in 2019. If you wanted to lean into Foles, that would be even more reason, in my opinion, to get rid of Marone because I don't know how you go forward with him being the guy, if that's what you're intending, after – Doug Marone basically flushed him three quarters of the way through and said, no, we're not going back to you. Cause Minshew came in and was not very good when he first came in. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking yeah. with him. And if you're saying he's your franchise quarterback, there are times that I liked him. Maybe he can grow into it. Is Marone the guy that can get anyone there? I mean, I, one of the reasons I was happy when they kept, Marone when when Coughlin first came in is I thought that at the end of the season when he stepped up as the interim coach he actually had gotten something good out of Blake Bortles and it seemed like hey the big thing for Marone went even when he was in Buffalo was he's good at developing quarterbacks 
he was never really able to get anything out of Blake Bortles other yeah. than the kind of you saw flashes and then you saw sadness, which reminds me exactly of what we saw with Gardner Minshew, where you saw some flashes and some sadness. I just, you know, maybe they're saying he's got, he's, you know, now he's out of all of his excuses and we'll, we'll see what he can do. Or maybe Shad Khan is just the Daniel Snyder of Florida. Maybe. I mean, the one thing I, I will say, and I'm trying to, is is going to, in a way, lead into, I'll actually just let it lead into the next team that I want to talk about. Maybe he's just not that excited about some of the coaches out there, so he wants to give it one yeah. more year. Like maybe it's something where he's looking at the landscape and he's like, you know what? I'm just, there's not someone here that really gets me that interested. Maybe him and Caldwell have sat down and been like, there's not a, I mean, I think there's some decent candidates out there, but maybe there's someone out there there that, like, you know what? I don't see someone that I think is a good fit for us right now. So let's just give them a run one more year and see what happens. And that's not well, always maybe the best they approach. think organizationally they have so many problems that they have a hard time recruiting a coach. And that could be, yeah. and I don't think Marone's been the worst coach. My feeling is just they need a change to like spark some improvement and some growth in the franchise. It's almost the same way I feel about Dallas. There's at times where I've thought Jason Garrett has been decent and he has an overall winning record. He's had mm -hmm. some good seasons, but he doesn't appear to be able to push them to that next level. Uh, you know, I went through that. Uh, as a Broncos fan, we had John Fox who came in after the disaster that was Josh McDaniel. And he definitely righted the ship. They got him some better players. He was a high seed, you know, going to the playoffs for a while. John only cut bait with him after a season where they were the number two seed in the AFC because he didn't think that the team was responding in a way where it was going to max everything out. And the very next year they, you know, they put in Kubiak and they won the Super Bowl. They were able to push themselves. You know, they needed that little extra. And that's would be if I'm watching the Jaguars, I don't think Marone's the worst coach. I think he's, he's done some decent things. He's helped them be relevant, but I, I just don't know if he's the guy to get you to the next level. And the fact they went from one play from the Super Bowl to last in their division the last two years is a really tough pill to swallow, I would think, if you're a fan. Yeah. Well, that leads perfectly into the team that I wanted to talk about because it was the Dallas Cowboys. So there is all kinds of rumors and, I mean, in all honesty, drama going. There's two teams that have got a lot of drama going around it right now with everything going on. The first one, or the one in the NFC, is the Cowboys. And there's a lot of talk that, uh, Technically, Jason Garrett has not been fired yet, so he is technically still the head coach of the Cowboys. Now, his contract runs out on January 14th, which is in 14 days from now, so we will see what happens with that. There's been a lot of talk that they're going to let him go here in a day or two. Now, me living in Texas, I've heard a lot of different stuff. There's been some talk of, well, Jerry Jones just respects Jason Garrett so much that he didn't want to let him go on the, you know, the quote-unquote Black Monday, the the day where all these head coaches go because he feel like he would be a, a sort of black mark on Jason Garrett's record, so he's going to let him have a couple more days. There's some people that think he's uh, doing it out of spite in a way that uh, there's a lot of connections between him and the Giants, and technically the Giants have not hired a head coach, and it's something that maybe he doesn't want to see Jason Garrett go to the Giants and uh, have success there because they would have to see him twice a year. I don't think it, it's that 
if I'm being honest, there there seems to be a lot of love between Garrett uh, and Jerry Jones, so I don't think he's playing that card. There is a lot of people who think they might trying to be find a way to keep Jason Garrett, which would be the craziest thing I think that could happen. Uh, this uh, little coaching carousel that we've got going on, even with some of the stuff that's going on in Cleveland. I mean, do you have any thoughts on this whatsoever? Because I mean. You really thought with everything that happened on Thanksgiving, with them losing to Buffalo, it really seemed like the writing was on the door that yeah. if they don't get their stuff together and make it in the playoffs, Garrett's done no matter what. And that didn't happen. So now, I mean, for me, if you're going to fire the guy, it needs to be done already. It's been two days. Like, what are you waiting for? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, my, my biggest argument in Dallas is I, I think they need a change. I mean, Garrett's been there a really long time. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts. First, it would be the most Dallas Cowboy way for this situation to end that they never actually fire him, that he just yeah. his contract expires and they just never bring him back, uh, which I could be a legitimate possibility. If Jerry Jones has a lot of respect for him and, and cares about him, the fact that his contract expires January 14th, they may be content to just let that contract play out and expire and do you know, what they're doing and never actually have to make a, hey, he's fired. It's just, you know, his time ended thing. The other thing that's a possibility that I've been thinking about seeing these meetings and, and no announcements made is Dallas could be in the same situation that you talked about with Jacksonville, that they're looking, can we get a big person? You know, there was a yeah. lot of talk that they had reached out to Urban Meyer even a few weeks ago. And I could reasonably see if Jerry tried to go for a couple of big ones and couldn't get anybody to come that he would be happier with the devil he knows than replacing Garrett with, you know, a second tier option to them. He's never struck me as somebody who's going to pluck like a guy out of obscurity. You know, he's not the guy that's going to go out and get Zach Taylor and put him in because he was Sean McVay's coach. Jerry has wanted, people that either have some kind of connection to Cowboys, which was Garrett. He was there for a long time as an assistant and as backup quarterback before, you know, he was part of the family or they go get names like Parcells or a Jimmy Johnson back in the day, Barry Switzer guys who had either been hugely successful in college. And maybe that's another part of it. Maybe they're targeting somebody who's still, actively playing in the college playoffs or who just finished or you know they're trying to see so those are a couple of the things that maybe are going on there um because jones you know he said basically he's content to wait he doesn't feel pressure to get this started you know i think he's always believed that the cowboys brand is so appealing that they don't have to compete in the same way that other teams do yeah for sure i i don't think that uh I don't think that – I think that's exactly what's going on with him. I, I would be extremely surprised if they kept Garrett, but that is why I brought up the whole Jacksonville thing. I'm glad that you, you went back to that because that is part of my thinking as well is that maybe it's something where – because we've heard the rumors about them reaching out to Urban Meyer. Maybe Urban Meyer doesn't want to come to Dallas. We've heard Lincoln Riley, and I've been saying for weeks, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to come to Dallas because – I mean, don't get me wrong. Dallas Cowboys are. They, they're the biggest brand. Jerry Jerry Jones has turned them into the most expensive sports franchise in the world. That's everything. So I get that part of it. But 
When you come down to how much college coaches are getting paid now and NFL coaches, it's apples to apples. Most college coaches are making now what NFL head coaches are making. And Lincoln Riley has these say, I can guarantee you, down to what color jock straps the players are wearing at Oklahoma. He's not getting yeah. that kind of control in Dallas. It's going to be Jerry Jones. And I don't know if he's someone that wants to give that up to Jerry. So for me, why would you leave a program that you have built up? Like, yes, Oklahoma is a name brand. They've been around, been around for a long time. You got Barry Switzer, ironically, who, who obviously won a Super Bowl with Jerry. Oklahoma's been around for a long time, but they, we're kind of falling down with Stoops before he left. Lincoln Riley brought them back up. They've been in the playoff almost every single year that he has been there. He is synonymous with Oklahoma right now. It's not necessarily a step down to go to Dallas, but he has all the control in the world that he wants there. I don't see him going to a place like Dallas where he's going to lose some of that. So I've never thought Riley was going to go there. The The next guy is Matt Rule, who we've seen the Giants are also trying to get interviews with as well now. He is the hot name college coordinator. He's got a game tomorrow, Baylor versus Georgia. I think he could be a phenomenal head coach. He does have NFL, or, uh, not NFL head coaching experience, but NFL coaching experience. He did coach the offensive line for the Giants under Tom Coughlin. So he has some, uh, relationship to the Giants organization. Uh, I, I read a interview that Jerry Jones gave after, I believe it was the Big 12 championship game where he was talking about how much respect he had for Lincoln Riley and then went out of his way to actually praise Matt Rule, uh, which nobody even asked him about Matt Rule. He just went in and talked about how impressed he was with what he's done with Baylor. So maybe he's a guy that they're looking at, but I'm, I do agree with you on what you said. That I think Jerry, even if they end up, which I do think they eventually do let go of Jerry, uh, Jerry Jones, uh, Jason Gary, even if that is waiting until his contract expires, I do believe what you said that he thinks I, it doesn't matter where the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to be able to get who I want. So I can wait while everybody else is. And in all honesty, that may not be a bad approach for him to take because as we just talked about right now, there's realistically, there's only three spots open because the other one in their division has already, one of the other ones in their division has already filled their coach in the Redskins. So now you're waiting on just the Giants, the Browns and the Panthers and that's it. So, and we already know, I mean, again, if you're, if you're going after Matt Rule, well, Matt Rule said no to the Browns. So you know that the, you don't have to worry about him competing with that. Now it's only just the Giants. Now I believe the Panthers wanted to interview him as well. So, I mean, it's it's insane that they haven't let him go, but maybe it all just ends up working out in Jerry Jones' favor. I, I don't think he comes back. So I guess the the big thing to put well, on... A few people, years ago when uh, Garrett was on the hot seat and New Orleans was doing less well than they were, there was a lot of wonder whether Sean, Sean Payton, Payton would come yeah. back to Dallas and I have wondered much of this season if this is kind of Breeze setting up to walk away and if that's the case you you wonder if part of Jerry is waiting to see what happens with New Orleans to see if he can make a run yeah you know at getting Sean Payton to leave um, because that'd be another guy who's not only a fantastic coach but somebody who has ties to Dallas or you know could be waiting to see you know maybe he has his eyes on on a coordinator like a mcdaniels or somebody who's still in the playoffs and they don't want to tip their hand that that's what Mm -hmm. they're looking at so they're not you know trying to make requests right now they're waiting until the season's over and it's fair game so i i still think it's tough to think that dallas is going to do much better than what we saw this year if they go back 
to Garrett. I, I think he's he's had some nice seasons. He's done what he can do. He doesn't seem to be the guy to be able to maximize that talent. And Dallas has a lot of questions that they need to deal with yeah. this offseason player personnel-wise. So I think that might be another reason that Jerry's being a little more careful with Coach, you know, because you have to decide – whether you're splashing out for Amari Cooper and or Dak Prescott and, you know, whoever's going to be the coach is going to want to weigh in on both of those things. So there's a lot that they need to do to get it right, to maximize their potential. And Dallas, Dallas doesn't want to make the playoffs. Dallas wants to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, they, they approach things a lot different and, you know, it's it's worked for them in the past. So I, I think this is something that we're going to see play out, you know, over the next couple of months. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up the Sean Payton thing because that's another little rumor that I've heard. Again, and living down here, there's been a lot of talk about – now, they would obviously have to trade actually for Sean Payton because he's still under contract yeah. with New Orleans. And someone else got brought up, and I thought it was a little bit interesting because I brought him up and we talked about the the who we thought might get fired or who, who's kind of on the hot seat. There was a lot of talk about them maybe trying to make a run at Mike Zimmer as well. He has ties with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. To Dallas when he was the defensive coordinator, I believe when Peyton was actually the offensive coordinator, maybe maybe they have a chance of getting him if the Vikings, you know, are one and out again, which is a realistic possibility going up against yep. the Saints in the Superdome. Uh, I'm with you though. I do think it's more of a they're just kind of waiting to see thing. Uh, I mean, I would say if you had to again, we both think Jason Garrett's gone, right? Like I would say there's probably a I mean, I, I can't even say 99 at this point. I'll go 85% chance Jason Garrett's gone. Like, I don't think – I think it's more realistic he's gone than staying. I might drop it to 70 now okay. because I, 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 think, I think it's going to depend on who they think they can get. If right. they try to make overtures and they try to go for a couple of these things and, and it looks like they're not going to be able to land anyone, I could reasonably see that Jerry just deciding that'd be easier to keep working with Jason Garrett than it would be to try to get some untested, unproven guy. Man, dude, that would just blow Cowboys fans' minds. I'm telling you right now, there would be a full-blown mutiny. I, I mean, I'm, I'm here for it because I just love watching yeah. the Cowboys burn because we all know I'm the Cowboy hater. But, man, it would be – Oh my goodness, it would be the bad. The longer it goes without them doing anything, oh. the better chance Garrett has. Dude, I'm telling He's you. He's had two full days of meetings and no decision, and basically Jones' comment was, I'm not in any hurry, you know, I'm still weighing all my options. That, to me, is a guy that's not willing to close a potential door. And oh, I agree. if you're not willing to close that door... <laughs> As much as you were pissed off at points this season, you're not willing to close that door. That is, you know, I think I think it ebbs down. I would have said on Sunday afternoon, 99%. Yeah. Yesterday, yeah, I probably would have still said 85%. A whole other day of meetings and him coming out with the, you know, we're still thinking about things. You know, he made a good case. Oh, it's going down precipitously. Yeah, then like I said, it's it's so we've only it's technically not even like a full day removed from from what you would consider Black Monday, right? Like we're still in Tuesday yeah. right now, and yet I'm telling you, because like I said, I, I know nothing but Cowboys fans. They live all around me, and they are losing their ever loving minds. 
because they are yeah. all like, well, you just fire him already. We do not want him back. So, like I said, I, I would, I'm all here for it. I'd love it because, I mean, I'd hate it for my Zeke shares for the most part, especially with the way they've used him this year. Uh, but I'd be here for it just because I'd love to watch Cowboys fans tilt all over the place. It's, it's well, awesome. Well, it's just fascinating for a guy that, you know, there was jokes about, is Jerry going to let him on the team plane after the Philly game yeah. to here we are a few days after the season. I don't know. You know, Jason has some plans. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna. Those plans are coaching your team. <laughs> what does it matter if that's not what you want? I just it it's slowly feeling like Jerry wanted to test the water, see if he could get somebody, and it was coming up empty. And it's like, well, maybe you know, maybe Jason's not the worst dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would it would be insane if if they kept him. I, I like I said, we'll see what happens. I, I am. In the camp that they don't keep him. And then, and in, in my opinion, if they do move on from him, which I guess we can't say that when they do, if they do, in my opinion, this is probably the best job available. I know that you have to deal with Jerry Jones and everything. And this is a little misconstrued here when I say this because they have the third most available cap space out of everybody in the NFL. But that's also not counting at least the Dak Prescott deal, which we know is going to eventually get done. They're not going to let Dak leave. And so you're looking at probably somewhere around the 30 mil to 40 mil mark coming off their, their cap, which is going to drop it down to, I believe, then they'll be right in, uh, right below the middle of the pack. So still a lot of money to spend. As you mentioned, they still got Amari Cooper. You have to decide if they want to pay him. Uh, Xavier Woods, their outstanding cornerback. And then, um, I can't remember who they've got a Quinn, uh, their defensive end. Uh, they've also got, I believe that comes Robert? up this, yes, Robert Quinn. Is uh, same Robert Quinn? Hi. I'm sorry. Was it? Yeah, I think that was it, Robert Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've got they've got those three guys they've got to decide. I would not be surprised if they, they let Amari go. I, I don't think they want to, and I know Amari said that he wants to stay. I think out of all those guys, because Xavier Woods and Quinn, Quinn will be expensive, I think. Ra- yeah. uh, Woods I don't think will be because cornerbacks, even the highest end cornerbacks, don't make that big a deal. They don't, they don't get that much money. So I think they could probably bring Woods back. Uh, but Quinn defensive ends, depending on what kind of contract he'd be looking at, I think it would be hard to make, to pay him and Amari Cooper as well. Uh, and with this class that is going to be loaded at wide receiver, they might just try and go younger at wide receiver. I mean, we saw the game Michael Gallup had Sunday, which I mean, I think he's not Amari Cooper, but I think he can be a one if he needs to be for that team. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised if they let Amari Cooper go. We'll see what happens with that. But for me, they they would be the team, or they would be the best team that's available if if you were even including the Redskins who who signed Ron Rivera. Would you agree with that, or is there another team out of the ones that are available you think would be better than the Cowboys' job? Um, you're not gonna like it. What's that? Who? I I think the best opening is Cleveland because Ugh. they have the best talent on their roster and no legacy of winning and a much less controlling owner general manager oh i mean i don't know about the less controlling part well we're definitely saving the browns for last because there's just too much we have to get into so uh i I mentioned the redskins so let's just touch on them really quick i thought phenomenal hire 
love Ron Rivera. Think he's a great coach. I think he's going to immediately come in, uh, bring a a hard headed, not hard headed, but a, a tough mentality uh, to that team, which I think they need it. Uh, for me, the biggest thing there's a report that actually came out about ten minutes ago while we were recording that, that he's going to try and get Jack Del Rio uh, to come coach their defense, which I think is a great great move. Jack Del Rio had a couple successful years as a head coach, but he's been a phenomenal defensive coordinator. So I think that'd be a great move for him. The big thing for me is who is he going to bring in on that offense? They, we, we've seen that they've got a couple good pieces there. Uh, they've got to find someone who can develop Dwayne Haskins. Uh, probably need to bring in another uh, wide receiver opposite of Terry McLaurin. Maybe with Ron Rivera coming in there as well, being the players coach that he is, they'll be able to talk Trent Williams into staying because they fired Bruce Allen, which I thought was a huge move on their part. Uh, he is someone that yeah. I, I believe a lot of players have said has kind of brought a toxic relationship to that franchise. So with him not being there anymore, and even more so on top of Bruce Allen, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but it doesn't really matter. They actually fired uh, their medical staff as well and are bringing in a whole new medical staff, which is the other part that Washington has been hit with a lot, and that they've had all these players who've gotten injured and then had had have multiple surgeries because the medical staffs have not been doing a good job with those surgeries. So I really think Washington, who's kind of been the butt of a lot of jokes here the past five, six years, have really done a good job of possibly turning this around and moving the franchise forward. So what are your thoughts on them hiring Rivera and everything going on with them now? Um, I like their their coaching hire. I think it's good, but we've seen Washington have good coaching hires uh, before in the last 20 years, and it hasn't really uh panned out i I, they have some potential i guess on their roster they have some potential good young players but they looked terrible on both sides of the ball that's more than a one-year uh fix to me they're not in the easiest division i think the giants have a better roster than they do and a better are in a better position to take a leap forward than than they are dallas has a better roster and with better coaching might go forward philadelphia has a fantastic coach yeah they get healthy they have a better roster that's that's a tough yeah i mean it's it's a tough spot for him the one thing the one thing i will give the redskins a lot of people you know i was listening to some talks today about them saying that the the redskins are very fickle with their coaches and everything they've actually done a really in my opinion i shouldn't say a good job they've actually given their coaches a fair amount of time i mean jay gruden was there for five six years i mean that's not a short time i mean we just saw freddie kitchens get fired after a year i mean that that's not a short time so they did sign Ron Rivera to a five-year deal. He's supposed to be working now to bring in a general manager that has shares the same vision with him, which I think is the complete wrong way to do that. But we'll get um, – I mean, what's, what's your opinion on that? Because we both like Ron Rivera, it seems. Both think it's a good hire. I, for In my opinion – and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong because we did see it actually with the 49ers. They brought in Kyle Shanahan, and then they linked him with John Lynch. It was not we're bringing in John Lynch and bringing in Kyle Shanahan. It was we're bringing them in together as one because they are sharing the same vision. They signed him, I think it was like to a 10-year contract at the time or whatever. They've brought in Ron Rivera, and now he is going to get to pick the general manager that now is going to be picking the players and everything, which is completely different than what we've ever seen. It's always been the general man. They hire a general manager. They pick the head coach they want. So what is your thoughts on that dynamic? Because we're also seeing that in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see 
how it works. Uh, Washington's another organization that deservedly gets a bad rap because of ownership and the front office situation. So getting a, a good GM will help. You know, hopefully Ron Rivera will bring some some excitement and some discipline. I you know the real question is who's making the draft picks because it was pretty well accepted that you know last year Daniel Snyder was convinced Dwayne Haskins was the guy and forced that upon everyone. You know, the question is going to be we've seen some good strong head coaches and stuff come in to Washington and constantly butt heads with Daniel Snyder. Is it going to be different? Even if Ron Rivera picks the GM, do those guys still get to make the decisions? And, you know, there's a lot of, you, you'd figure Adrian Peterson probably not coming back. He's getting older. I yeah. I don't, you know, I know you've always liked Darius Geist's talent. The guy does not seem to be able to stay healthy. Sometimes those things work themselves out. But that's a big question. Dwayne Haskins was probably, to me, aside from Will Greer, the least impressive of the rookie quarterbacks that played this year. Yeah. I, and, you know, coaching could be a, a big part of that. Who are they going to get? to do offense there's just a lot of of questions there you know jordan reed's been consummately injured i guess they're gonna kind of move on from him i like terry mclaurin but they definitely need some other weapons and i thought their defense was really bad jack del rio could help you would think that rivera would help but you know one of the reasons that they ended up moving on from him in carolina was that carolina defense just got decimated and fell apart so you know i don't know and like i said it's a tough division situation there are just so many questions i like ron rivera if i was him i don't know if i would have picked washington as the place you know a lot of times these head coaches you get one or two big chances and then you know it starts to slide away from you are you really you know sinking you know putting your flag in the ground with this situation in washington there's obviously something about it that appealed to him i think he'll be better than what they have now but there there's a lot of a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns i don't feel like you can even adequately evaluate it but redskins fans have to be excited at least that they got somebody and and see where they can go we'll have a better idea when they get to the to the draft room, you know, and yeah. and building the team. Are they going to be able to build the team they want to build? Yeah, I mean, for me, on, on Rivera and that defense, the last thing I'll, I'll say, I, I do think I actually like Washington's defense, what they have currently than what they have in Carolina. And I do think Del Rio and him will be able to make that defense. They've got a lot of young studs they've drafted over the past couple years that I think they'll be able to turn into a really good defensive unit. And that's why I agree with what you said. And I was saying earlier, my biggest thing for, for Del, not Del Rio, for Rivera is going to be who he hires on the offense. 
because while Dwayne Haskins, by far, I agree, looked like the worst uh, rookie quarterback we saw this year, he did seem to be improving a little bit there at the end. If they can bring in someone who to help develop him and he ends up being the franchise quarterback that Daniel Snyder wanted him to be, then you, in all honesty, have a pretty good team you're already building. Like I said, the offensive line is one of the better ones. If they can convince Trent Williams to stay, all of a sudden that jumps up to an even better offensive line. Darius Geis is a big question mark, no doubt. But if he, it, with the talent he has, if he can stay healthy, you've got a good running back. You need to bring in some more wide receivers, figure out what you're doing at tight end. But then outside of that, you've got a good team. The biggest thing is going to be, as you mentioned, and I agree with you, the division. That division is loaded to bear. I would say the Giants' talent is a little bit closer to the Redskins than you did, but the Giants do, I would say, probably have a slight edge over the Redskins just based on what they have on offense. I think the Redskins' defense is better than the Giants, uh, but the Giants have a, I don't want to say a more steady plan in place because we don't even know if Gettleman will be back after next year with with what we've heard going on this year. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it, the division is definitely going to be the biggest thing, as you were saying. Uh, the Giants side there, since we just touched on them and they're in the same division as the Cowboys and Redskins who we've been talking about, they move on from Pat Shermer. Uh, the main ones that I've seen coming out, uh, they've requested to review, I believe it was Josh McDaniels, Robert Salah, uh, Matt Rule, and the latest one was Mike McCarthy. So they, they've got quite a few feelers out there for their head coaching job. Uh, there was a lot of rumors yesterday that Dave Gettleman would be fired. They kept him. It was 50-50. For those of you who don't know, it's split between the Tish and the Mara families. So I guess they one of them wanted him to go, the other didn't. So until they both agree that both he needs to be gone, he's going to stay. So that maybe he's gone next year. We don't know. The one thing I'll give Gettleman, a lot of people want to hate on him. The pick of Saquon Barkley at two was a phenomenal pick, clearly. And I do think, as we've seen, Daniel Jones at six, when everybody made fun of him, I may yeah, not have really been good. that bad of a pick. I mean, Daniel Jones looked good last year. So uh, we'll, well see what I liked, happens. I uh, like Darius Slayton, too. If they can get yeah. Shepard and Ingram back healthy, they, they have Golden Tate, Slayton. They have some potential weapons. They need to improve their, their line and to get uh, better consistency out of their defense. Yeah, the deep, that's what I said. Defense is going to be the biggest thing for them. And so I'm interested to see which way they go. Uh, there is a lot of talks that they want Matt Rule. And, and I don't think that that would be a bad move. He is an offensive-minded guy. Uh, so I would be interested to see who he brings in on the defense because, uh, we, as we both just said, defensively is where they need to go. Uh, that's going to be the biggest thing that they need to fix. So I'd be interested to see who they bring in on the defense. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy, I don't think would be a bad fit there either. Uh, I'm not that big of a Mike McCarthy guy, if I'm being honest, but I could see him using Daniel Jones uh, in a in a good way for that offense for them to succeed. I'd hate it for my Barkley shares because he would find a way to get Wayne Gallman involved more into the offensive plants because he'd say Saquon Barkley's just not that good like he did Aaron Jones, and you know that would cause all kinds of issues. Uh, but I don't think that'd be a bad move for them either. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say on the on the Giants job, or should we move on uh, to the the last one before we get to the worst position here or the worst run franchise in all of the NFL? Now, I, I I just think uh, one of the big things that will be interesting to watch, not just for the Giants, but for other teams, a lot of teams have requested Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a couple of years ago they made some kind of firm, you know, not publicly announced deal that he was going to succeed Bill. It seemed like maybe they were close to Belichick retiring, and yet 
you just don't have any idea of how close that is. Is McDaniel's going to get restless again, you know, try to go out. That's, that's one of the big unknowns. Last year, if I recall, he uh, decided to pass on any interviews. Yeah. He, and the year before was when he accepted the Colts job and backed out. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if he puts himself back on the market this year. There's a lot of questions in New England, uh, too, coming out. You know, is Brady, obviously his contract ends. Is Bill getting tired, ready to go? Because I think there was some kind of arrangement made there. And that's a real wild card unknown about all these people that want to pursue Josh McDaniels, which I would love for him to go to a team I dislike. Well, that's not good because I have a feeling he might end up in Cleveland, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get I to the Cleveland I already told job. you I wouldn't wish that on you. I know. Uh, but uh, I, I I actually do think McDaniels is going to interview for teams. So as you just mentioned, he declined all, he declined all the interviews pretty quickly last year. Now, maybe that was because the Patriots yeah. were on a bye. Uh, maybe he can't respond to him. But I think the fact that he hasn't declined them like a lot of other coaches have, I think he, he's willing to take jobs. I do think he's restless because the one thing I will say is – if this is Brady's last year, which I would not be surprised if it is. I know a lot of people keep saying, you know, Brady's even said he wants to play for a couple more years. I think we can all clearly admit he's not the same Brady. He was stepping down a little bit last year. I think he's taking another step down this year. And I do think Bill kind of wants to prove he can win without Brady. I think he's a very prideful guy. Uh, we know that there's been a lot of linking those two together. Uh, so I would not be surprised if Bill tries to stick around for a couple years after Brady leaves. Uh, and, and trying to uh, prove that he can win without him. So I would not be surprised if, McDan- if McDaniels takes some interviews. Whether or not he gets a head coaching job, I don't know. Uh, but I do think he will uh, at least take some interviews, uh, which leads us to the last one with the Panthers. They have also tried to inter- – they've asked to interview him and uh, Matt Rule and McCarthy, I believe, were the three that I saw for them yeah. as well. Interesting job. I'm actually kind of surprised they said McCarthy because David Tepper, who's the owner, said that he wanted to bring in a young offensive mind. Now, Mike McCarthy is considered an offensive mind. Young is not the word I would put with him, uh, but he is considered to be a very good offensive coach. Uh, Panthers-wise, interesting spot, I think. Uh, They've got, obviously, phenomenal offensive players. The biggest question is going to be what they do with Cam Newton. Does he stay? Is he going to be healthy? We both talked about earlier uh, the way that defense kind of fell apart this year. I think that's, much like the Giants, the biggest thing they need to answer is what they're going to do with their defense. But their division is, in all honesty, kind of winnable. I I know you've obviously got the Saints there, and that's the biggest one for me. Uh, But if maybe, as we've talked about, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Breeze steps away if they end up winning it this year. Does that mean Peyton stays, Peyton goes? And they're the only team, I think, that has a clear step above the Panthers. I know the Falcons are bringing back Quinn. They've got all kinds of issues. Tampa Bay, while they finished 8-8 this year, They've kind of got all, oh sorry seven and nine. They've got all kinds of issues as well. So I think the Panthers, depending on who they bring in there, if they can work on that defense, I think have a realistic shot to be right back in the playoff hunt like they were a couple years ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Panthers in their opening? Well, I think the quarterback position, the uncertainty. I think if anything, this season showed that neither Kyle Allen nor Will Greer is a realistic option if you want to win in 2020. Yeah. So how healthy is Cam Newton? It's, it's a huge unknown. You know, obviously what became clear after two weeks of this season 
was that the Panthers were never fully honest about where Cam Newton was at, in answering the questions about why he looked the way he looked. You know, did the time off and another surgery fix him? You know, when we saw the first half of 2018 when he was really humming and, and in his prime with even younger pieces than what he has now, that was a good team. And if you were an offensive coach, you could feel pretty good about that. Absent that, they're they're in a weird draft position. Do they try to draft a quarterback? I don't know. I think that's going to answer a lot. I feel differently than you do about the Bucks and the Falcons. I would. I think they're they have you know the Bucks obviously have a quarterback question of their own, but they have more appealing rosters and more stable coaching situations. They're further along in the process than I think Carolina is right now because Carolina has to decide on a coach, okay. whole new scheme and system, and they have a huge question at the biggest position. Tampa Bay could very well just tag Jameis, roll another year, and see if they can get more improvement. But even if they didn't, Arians isn't wrong. If he can fix that defense a little bit more, their offense was surely good enough to be nine and seven or ten and six and be in the playoffs. Atlanta, if they can get their offensive line healthy and get a couple of defensive players, their offense showed that they're more than good enough to be nine and seven, ten and six, get in the playoffs. I don't know that I would say the same thing about Carolina. All right. Well, I guess I guess I can't prolong it anymore. There's only one other team left with some opening or with an opening, and that would be the Cleveland Browns. We saw that they fired Freddie Kitchens uh, before the Sunday night game even started between the 49ers and the Seahawks, which I don't want to say was funny, but I, I mean, I, I, it's just a mess there. Uh, I mean, I've been looking at stuff all day today. They parted ways with John Dorsey, which I thought was a a stupid move in my opinion. Uh, they've they've already openly come out and said that they want they as in the Haslam's want to hire a head coach and then much like the Redskins allow him to appoint a GM. I don't understand that one bit because you're it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're you're picking a person who has the power to fire you. That just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Uh, there's been or a lot you're of, creating a power imbalance where well that's always been the issue with Cleveland though. So uh, we're gonna take a little journey down Cleveland Browns Road here really quick. So if you guys don't want to hear about it, you can turn it off here because it's about to get really bad. Uh, so this actually, I believe, happened the very first year that he came in, Mr. Haslam, when uh, they decided to hire Hugh Jackson instead of Sean McDermott. And they had Sashi Brown, who everybody knows was the guy who was kind of trading away players. He was he, They took the analytical approach. They have Paul D. Podesta, who I'll mention here in a minute because he's still there. Uh, from M- from Major League Baseball, he worked for the New York Mets. He's an analytics guy. His thing is to go in and find players that he feels analytically show are very good players that other people are overlooking, that the, the scouts of the world, the John Dorseys who use their eyes to tell them that they see a good football player, Paul DiBodesta uses statistics and numbers. I don't think there's a wrong approach. My approach is you use both of them, not one or the other, but but that's just my opinion. So they had Sashi Brown and Paul DiBodesta on one side, and when Haslam came in, he had Sashi Brown and Paul DiBodesta report to him, and he had Hugh Jackson report to him because he hired Hugh Jackson when Paul DiBodesta and Sashi Brown wanted to hire Sean McDermott. Now, would Sean McDermott be as good as he has been in Buffalo with Cleveland? There's no way of knowing. Clearly, it would probably have been the smarter move to go with McDermott over Hugh Jackson. 
when they decided to fire Sashi Brown, there was a lot of uh, problems with them. They brought in John Dorsey. I believe they announced the hiring within like hours of firing Sashi Brown. It was it was very quick. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about well they didn't they didn't you know talk to another candidate. They said they did regardless. In my I was very excited. Uh, say what you want about John Dorsey. He he is someone who doesn't care that much for the cap, which Sashi Brown was very good at. He pays players. And he brings in talent, and he has done a good job. That has he had his mistakes? Yes. Took a shot at Antonio Callaway. That didn't work out. Took a shot on Austin Corbett. That didn't work out. He also got a third round pick back for Austin Corbett. So he really just lost a round pick for the guy because he took Austin Corbett in the second round. That's not that bad. When you can move on from an offensive lineman that quickly, that a lot of people don't think is that good, and get a, a pick later for him, in my opinion, was not a bad move. His biggest mistake was sticking with Freddie Kitchens and hiring him. Now, uh, in my opinion, it is not fair to make that a big issue on him because I think we can all be fair, and I'll say it myself. You look all over Brown's Twitter, and I know you can't listen to the fans or you end up sitting with them, the old Bill Parcells line or whatever it was. Everybody in Cleveland wanted Freddie Kitchens to come back and be the head coach last year because of what we saw out of him with the play calling and his relationship with Baker uh, when they decided to let him go. Now, maybe it was more Greg Williams, as we've learned, and why that team was the way that it was. His attitude and the way that he disciplined, or the way they had that team playing, I guess is the way to put it. I do not think that is a Dorsey problem. I thought that was a Freddie Kitchens problem. I think, in my opinion, it was a knee jerk reaction to fire Dorsey. There's been a lot of reports today that it's because Dorsey didn't like the direction that the Haslam's are trying to take it. I, I, I don't know. So before we yeah, move, they did say it was mutual. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I would want to say too if I was getting fired. I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I believe that Dorsey wanted out. I do believe that because the one thing I've always seen, I've paid very close attention to a lot of stuff he has said since he's come on. They've got the building the Brown series on YouTube. He is very. He's made it very big to him that he wants to be the one calling all the shots and it does seem like the Haslam's had taken a step back and let him do that there was a lot of talk last year when they hired Freddie Kitchens that that was a Dorsey hire that the Haslam's did not want Freddie Kitchens Dorsey did so I, I do believe that they let Dorsey do his thing the fact that they let him go because of that though in my opinion was was stupid uh, it was a bad move. Uh, I was arguing with someone on Twitter today. They're like, well, he hired Freddie Kitchens. It was a horrible coaching move. He deserves to be gone. If that's your threshold for GMs, you've got like a handful of GMs that deserve to still have their jobs in the NFL right now. A lot of GMs have made bad coaching decisions. It happens. Uh, I just think the player talent that he has brought in and the roster that he's built deserved him to keep his job. I understand the offensive line is bad. Point out to me the other issues with this team outside their offensive line because I'll wait. Because there really isn't any. The the team that he has built, as you just mentioned earlier, you said this is the job you would take because of their roster. Because he has built a phenomenal roster. He really has. So I, I just I thought it was a bad move altogether. Now, the one thing I will say, and this is where I think it's gonna I really want to get your interaction because I don't know if you've read this or not. The one part that it might make sense for me on is D Haslam has always wanted Josh McDaniels to be the coach of this team. He is from Canton, Ohio. His his father is a legendary coach from Ohio. He, they, he is very well respected in those parts. She wanted him to come in a couple years ago. They ended up going with Hugh Jackson. That, that, again, she was the one who wanted him. Paul DePodesta wanted Sean McDermott. He The reason I brought up Paul DePodesta, I guess I'll break off really quick, was 
the the word is that he won the power struggle. He was the one who's pretty much helped force John Dorsey out. There, the rumor is that he might take over as GM. I personally don't like that, but uh, it is what it is. D. Haslam wants Josh. My goodness, I was gonna call him Josh McDermott. Josh McDaniels uh, to come in and be the head coach. The rumor on why they let John Dorsey go is because they really want McDaniels, and McDaniels has told them that he would not come in there and be the head coach if Dorsey was the GM, that he wants to bring in, it was like Scott Pioli, or they named a couple other guys, I can't remember, but I believe they all have connections to either being previous GMs or connections with front office work with the Patriots. So that is now the newest rumor that is coming around and that they really want McDaniels, and he wants to bring in his own guy at GM. Again, I I'm, I think that's the wrong way to go about a hire. I really think you should hire your GM first and let them pick their coach. But, I mean, the Browns do everything wrong, so it's not surprising to me that they do that. So what are your thoughts on, on all of that that I guess I just dropped on you there with the McDaniel news and everything? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mess, and I guess we'll see. Uh, it just for a team that we thought was going to be a playoff team uh, a few months ago, it's been an amazing whirlwind of failure. They have to do something probably to keep, you know, the big personalities like OBJ and Landry and, and Baker together. They need a, a strong coach. I don't know if I can be personally impartial about Josh McDaniels. Um, I think he's the devil. I will pray for you if uh, he gets hired as your coach. Um, I will not be picking Cleveland to be in the playoffs in 2020 if he's their coach. (laughs) My experience of McDaniels, too, here was he came in and took a team that had a lot of pieces, particularly on offense, good pieces, particularly on offense, and dumped them right away uh you know when he came into denver our team had fallen short i think we finished eight and eight and they let shanahan go because we missed the playoffs and immediately he came in and dumped jay cutler he dumped brandon marshall he dumped eddie royal he dumped our tight end tony scheffler he dumped a bunch of pieces and brought in you know like jabbar gaffney um patriots retreads and Kyle, Kyle Orton. So that to me would be my nightmare. And, you know, if that's <laughs> what D Haslam wants, you have to wonder if she wants to bust up this team if they don't like the core of yeah. players they have, because that would be certainly a fear for me if he came in. I, you know, and it's ironic that everybody's hot on him this year after what we've talked about, the Patriots being inept on offense and not being able to make any adjustments and not being able to do anything despite radical personnel changes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. So. Uh, I mean, I don't obviously have the uh, quite the, the I, I don't want to say personal grudge, but I don't have the connection that you do, obviously, with what happened and what he did in Denver. Uh, obviously, I'll be honest, when he went there, I thought it was a good hire. It obviously didn't turn out to be. I mean, I think we can all admit that. Uh, I personally don't like him really just because of what he did to Indianapolis. I thought it was kind of a a shady, crappy move, to be honest with you. And so I I don't want him to be the head coach of my team either. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, the one guy that I want, and I don't know how it would work out, was Robert Salah of the 49ers. I, I openly have been campaigning for that 
on Twitter yeah. since I thought Freddie Kitchens might get fired because what he has done with that defense has in San Francisco has been good. And while I think their front line in San Francisco is better than Cleveland's, I think the secondary for Cleveland is better than San Francisco's. I think all around he could make that defense just as good, if not better, than San Francisco's with the pieces that he has. He the real to... problem is you need somebody who is a strong force on offense because of the personalities that you yes. have. Well, that's what I was going to say. That would be my only, you know, I I like the out-of-the-box thinking on Salah, and he's obviously done some great, great things with San Francisco, but I feel like you'd almost be setting him up for a Freddie Kitchens-like experience. Well, you know, first-time head coach, he'd have enough on his hands trying to maximize that defense and are you going to pair him with some kind of veteran offensive coordinator? I've seen, uh, you know, our friend Dennis suggest, well, maybe we we'll just keep the same offensive coordinator that they have and let him call plays. I, I don't think that works. I think you need to wipe out what you had and, and go something else. Well, so that's, so that's the interesting thing about Munkin because there was an article that was released about him earlier. Um, I'm trying to think of where did I just see it at? I just lost it. Dang it. I, I had it on here and I was going to read it to you. Munkin has not been calling the plays, though. He is he has been openly apparently talking to different players and everything and, and coaches talking about how he's hated being in Cleveland because he was supposed to be the one calling plays and he has not called a single play all year long. Like, Freddie Kitchens won't listen to him. And that's part of the, the mess and the issues going on behind the doors that we all don't know about. I know, but it's just making an assumption that he'd be better. True, and and I do agree with uh, that they would need to bring in, if they went the Salah route, they would have to bring in someone ho- strong on offense. The one thing I was going to say on that is I don't know if everybody's going to be there next year because the yeah. other thing I'll say about Paul Podesta is he's also very much about the cap, and he's not about guys who make big money. We saw that with I, – I know it's completely different sports, but when you have a in track In which case record, he'd fit along – great with josh mcdaniels if you really think that's the way they're going that would make the most sense because that was probably essentially what mcdaniels did to denver in which case this entire year was a waste of time for no offense for cleveland because if you made all those moves and brought all those guys and then you're just gonna blow it up oh i I mean that's why i'm so upset today. big regression yeah and honestly that is why i'm so pissed off because that's what i see happening Dorsey was making moves. Again, I understand that he, you know, you can question some of the players that he's picked up in their their character questions off the field. Fair. You can question that he doesn't care that much about the cap. Fair. But what he does is he brings in talent and he tries to win. Paul D. Podesta, again, I can only go on what he did in the in baseball because that's where his biggest track record comes from. If you go and look at the New York Mets, they don't have a lot of players that they pay a lot of money to. They pick up players that they think are good on an analytical and stats base that they can pay at a different price and then put a team together. And I, I would I don't know how big of a baseball fan you are. Could you tell me how many World Series the Mets have won? Because I can. It's zero. Yeah. They've zero. made one World Series, and I believe it was six years ago, and they lost to the Kansas City Royals. I don't think this is going to work out at all. I do think that if Paul D. Podesta gets it, and they do go the McDaniels route, as you were talking about, I would not be surprised if Odell is gone. If Kareem Hunt and or Chubb are gone. I don't think they keep both. One is going to be gone. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to move on from Landry. 
I I honestly think that's the route they're going to go, and it is. It's going to. We're going. That's why if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen all the posts, the tweets that I've been posting about the Browns. I think it's it, they're going to take a serious step back next year if, if this is the route they're going. I, I'm yeah. really hoping they're not because, as I said, I really think Dorsey put a good team together. I hope that they bring someone in and they're like, all right, we've got a good team. We need to fix the offensive line, and we have a contender, and that's what they do. But I don't think that's the route they're going. So I, I'm. As a Browns fan, I'm honestly terrified, and to make a, a college football joke, I'm, I'm willing to put my name in the in the uh, fan based uh, transfer portal now and find a new team to root for because I, I just I can't, if this is the route they're going, I cannot be a Browns fan anymore. It, 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 this is the dumbest stuff I've seen. And, and all I'm, you need to know about how people still feel about Josh McDaniels here, considering it's been I think uh, just about a decade since he was the coach, is this morning. I was watching the morning news here in Colorado Springs and they were talking about some of the coach firings and openings and that a few people had requested permission to interview Josh McDaniels and they cut over to our weather guy who took a beat, looked at the camera, smiled and said, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, like I said, I'm with you. I, I, I don't want them to hire him. If, if they are bringing in a new ho- head coach, I mean, God, and it, it sucks to admit this because I didn't want Mike McCarthy last year. I think I'd rather take Mike McCarthy. If I could get my wish, it'd be Robert Salah at this point, but I don't think that's happening. I honestly think it's going to be the – I honestly think it's going to be deep Podesta McDaniels. I, I really think that's the route that it's going, and that's going to be very unfortunate because I really think all of the – the hype and everything that we as Browns fans got at the beginning of this season with the team and the talent that we had is going to all be gone. You're going to be looking at, hopefully you didn't buy yourself an Odell Beckham jersey because I don't think he's going to be with the Browns anymore if that's what ended up happening. So, Well, we'll always have fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I love Odell. Not well, yeah. Actually, I'd love for him to leave Cleveland at this point because he really cost me in a couple uh, in a couple teams this year. Because I've been bought all in on Odell for a couple years now. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's it, really. Uh, I don't want to bury myself in any more misery. It's supposed to be a New Year's here. I want to try and go in on a high note. So I guess we should we should end it here and stop talking about how how bad of a franchise the Browns are. Uh, I, I do look forward to talking to you on Thursday. I'm, I'm excited to talk about our pl- the playoff matchups and, and our playoff bracket. I saw we were you you and Tony were messing, messaging each other a little bit there in yep. the group chat. So it looks like he's going to be good to go. We'll 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 kick off the podcast on Thursday with that. So that will be a lot of fun. Have yourself a safe and happy New Year's tonight, my friend. And I will talk to you again on Thursday. Yep. Happy New Year. Prepare for glory. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!